Hey, what's happening, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us today, everybody. Once again, this is the podcast where we share, as well as discuss, the very best in video game music. My name is, of course, Carl Brueggemann. And I'm, of course, his brother, Will Brueggemann. Obviously, right? This point, you, you said guys of should course know that. two times in that <laughs> sentence. Interesting. Of course, I did. Uh, I am very excited for today's episode. We're going to be showcasing two awesome Capcom soundtracks. That if you're not really in the know with you know the history of video game music, you might think this is an NES episode, but it's actually not. These soundtracks today, Mega Man 9 and Mega Man 10, came out in the 2000s. Uh, Mega Man 9 came out for the Wii, the Xbox 360, and the PS3. Pretty insane. We're going to be focusing on both of these soundtracks. They kind of launched this new generation of these retro throwbacks. Now we have these games that pay homage to the past in, in a great way. And really, Mega Man 9 was a huge turning point for that kind of thing to be commercially uh, successful and possible, really. Well, it's sort of a wonderful little phenomenon because it gives uh, indie developers and you know companies with low budgets sort of a fighting chance. Um, it's sort yeah. of an aesthetic that's a little bit cheaper and simpler to produce. Um, so I think it's just sort of an exciting time when you can have, you know, triple A studios like Capcom developing games like this and small little indie studios developing games like this. It, it makes it a little bit more of a level playing field. Um, and I think that's exciting, especially in terms of the realm of music, um, because it just, you know, it gives people like us, you know, uh, <laughs> independent composers uh, the opportunity yeah. to work on games that's not really the case here but i was incredibly excited when mega man 9 came out it came out in 2008 and just when i heard about the idea that okay they're gonna make a new mega man game but it's gonna have like with an nes engine it's gonna have 8-bit music i was incredibly excited that was way before we started the podcast you know this is 2008 mega man 10 came out in 2010 uh, a couple years later and the way that they handled the music was quite different for those two games we'll get to that later so we're gonna play uh 10 tracks from 9 today 10 tracks from 10 uh we just thought this would be a good idea to have these two titles today because they're really good and we haven't um ever focused exclusively on them uh so basically counterparts Mm -hmm. So basically, Mega Man 9, like I said, was released for those three systems. The composers we have for this game are Ryo Kawakami, Ippo Yamada, Yu Shimoda, and Hiroki Isogai. So those are the four uh, people that worked on Mega Man 9. And what's really great is we have pretty good crediting uh, for actually both of these scores. So we know every single track who composed uh, what. So what you guys heard up top was a track called Magma Burning, and that was composed by Ryo Kawakami, potentially my favorite composer out of these um, fine composers here. Uh, We're going to play another track that he composed. This is incredibly beautiful. It feels like a classic Mega Man track. Even when you're talking about the entire series, this is just one that... Yeah, this is one of my favorites, too. As soon as we heard this, it's just going to be in our heads for the rest of our lives. So let's take a listen to opening one from Mega Man 9, composed by Ryo Kawakami. beautiful piece of music you guys are listening to opening one this is from Mega Man 9 which came out in 2008 and this particular track was composed by the very talented gentleman Ryo Kawakami this is so beautiful it reminds me of the openings um, from Mega Man 1 Mega Man 2 where it's a rare occasion in a Mega Man game where you can have a, a soft ballad and they really sure. took that to the extreme now I know Mega Man 9 was supposed to be a spiritual successor to Mega Man 2 so that's why the music kind of feels more like that game than really any other game in the series. Yeah, I sort of have an interesting relationship with this piece um, because it was incredibly influential to me when we were working on Megabuster because yeah. I wrote the intro. And I mean, I think as far as having those kind of arpeggios uh, develop chord information with the melody on top of it, I think yeah. some of the harmonic choices. One of my favorite things about this piece is that chord progression which essentially it starts, you know, 
major and then the second chord progression is a major two chord which has a little bit of that borrowing from the Lydian scale um, but the voice leading is really smooth because you go from the major one chord to the major two uh, seven chord um, and then it goes to a minor four chord so we go back you know we're still in that same kind of tonal world but it's it very surprising very smooth within the hands you know, it's it's really that combination that you really yearn for when you're when you're composing something like this. You want it to be surprising and colorful and spicy, but you don't want it to be jarring, and you want it to immediately make sense. Because as soon as you get to those chord moments, it's no one's ever going to be like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Like you kind of accept it right away, and it's just one of those things that just it feels so good, and it's a great way to open the game. Well, it's and, kind of sort of a you know, it's in that jazz pop music yeah. harmony that great sort of language and it's very emotional too i think the way that that minor four chord is presented um is really sure. kind of luscious and beautiful and the melody is really fantastic i think i mean it, i in general it really kind of i feel like is being responsive to the musical needs of a line you know the the points of sustain are they work well with sort of the um the arpeggio you know so you have the moving versus the sustain and you know both the parts work together the other thing that we have to mention that's so cool about Mega Man 9 and 10 is that they're staying true to the limitations yeah. of the NES Isn't so once cool? again we're getting that incredible three-part writing and it was all done on and Family you know Tracker. one thing that is so cool about that is because like like we said the game is released on the Wii and the Xbox Live PSN so really you know as far as is is the format of the game they didn't have to do that but of sure. course that was the best choice because you wanted to feel authentic to to that kind of a that kind of a game and it was just such a good decision that they did that and we can speak firsthand that it's not easy to do that so these the, you know these composers really put a lot of time uh into doing that and one thing that i think is interesting as we'll get into Mega Man 10 i have some some more opinions about that as far as composers nowadays trying to revisit that that pretty difficult way of making music but we'll get to that as we move on we're going to move on to the first i guess you should say robot master theme so basically most of the music in Mega Man games consists of these stage themes where you have to fight a boss at the end right so this one was composed by yu shimoda it's called concrete jungle let's take a listen You guys are listening to Concrete Jungle from Mega Man 9. This track was composed by Yu Shimoda. This is really cool. You know, if I had to rank these composers in terms of uh, maybe my favorite contributions they made for these games, I would say that Ryo Kawakami is probably my favorite. I think he uh, just contributed the best melodies, followed very closely by Ippo Yamada. He also he contributed a small amount of high-quality tracks. So I think for this first game, he literally only composed two tracks out of the entire game, but they're both incredibly good. Um, I would say Yu Shimoda is probably number three. He, he's pretty good. Well, what do you think about this track? Are there anything uh, kind of technically that, that he's doing here that maybe you haven't heard in a Mega Man track before? Not necessarily. I mean, I think it's pretty faithful to all that stuff. Uh, you have those kind of triangle tom sounds, which I think of as sort of a staple of Mega Man games. Um, but it, as far as just the composition, I was so impressed with the harmonies. They, they mm -hmm. really felt like something out of Mega Man 2 or 3. Uh, in general, that's what I'd say is so great about these games is that it does feel that, in, in not just in terms of the limitations, but musically, there is this effort to return not only to an NES style of but writing, to Mega but Man specifically, specifically yeah. you know, Mega Man 2, um, which is such a Yeah, treat. when I listen to these melodies, I don't know, it's very clear to me, even if that wasn't 
um, you know, mentioned. I know that's actually been talked about in interviews that that was conscious, but you can really hear that they studied Mega Man 2, went back and listened to that, and, and, and probably were both inspired and maybe overwhelmed with, wow, we have to try to do something that, that is as good as that. Because What I really like about this piece is it's almost, uh, it's expanding upon the Mega Man theme, really. This is sort of like taking some of those rhythmic ideas and some of the um, pitch material and expanding it into its own theme. But, you know, it really feels like something I could imagine this being a Manami Matsumai yeah. composition. You know, it it's very much in that style. Well, in this next track, I could imagine being almost a Takashi Detaishi uh, composition because it really reminds me of Mega Man 2, that great kind of constantly harmonized rocking melody that's also beautiful. Yeah. This is Plug Electric, composed again by Ryo Kawakami from Mega Man 9. Here we go. such a wonderful track this is a textbook Mega Man track even if you're just talking about technically before we talk about uh, maybe some of the musical elements of it you know the function of that secondary pulse channel is constantly changing which is when I think of Mega Man music that's one of the most um, signature things you know going from a harmony to an arpeggio line to a delay of the melody and then going back to the arpeggio if you listen to that secondary so not the melody but the other pulse channel it's constantly changing and you know the lead pulse channel is is changing duty cycles and it feels like you have this really lush band of all these different timbres that are coming in and out and it really tricks you like you have to actually really consciously hear okay there's actually only those three um, tones happening at once because it sounds so much more lush than that and it really doesn't feel like anything's missing this to me is a textbook Mega Man track well I think the other thing that's sort of impressive is uh, this track it has such a short form um, a very short loop m yeah. much like you know a lot of the music in Mega Man 2 but it really kind of goes on a little bit of a journey I mean Carl mentioned mm -hmm. uh, the diversity in that second pulse channel but really all the instruments in general um, every section has a different synth sound Sound, and it gives the different sections of the melody their own specific timbral character and That's a, a good point. new sense of expression. The the piece is beautiful and, and wonderfully constructed. Isn't I it? completely agree with Carl that it feels like it's out of Mega Man 2, but I think uh, something I so enjoyed about playing this game when it came out is that to me it just felt like a loving homage to old school video game music. You know, at the time it didn't really feel like there was um, a lot of things like this. And you know, this is before Carl and I had ever mm -hmm. dabbled into you know making in our own kind. We didn't of even stabs dream of at, that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So like something like this was just so amazing because in addition to Mega Man, it it felt reminiscent to me of you know things like Sonic the Hedgehog, and so it was, it was an incredibly nostalgic experience playing this game. The time that I've spent away from it and coming back to it, it, it really makes me realize that I think other than Mega Man 1 and 2, I think Mega Man 9 is my next favorite soundtrack in the series. I 100% agree with you. I just think it's it's so fantastic. I, I mean, I... I I really appreciate the amount of love and care that went mm -hmm. into the entire project in trying to, you know, bring Mega Man back to its origins, but specifically the soundtrack, I just felt that a lot of care was put into A lot of care was definitely put into it. And also it's it's so impressive because these people 
to my knowledge, hadn't done something like this before. You know, the only one I'm really familiar with before this would have probably been Ippo Yamada with his work on the GBA Mega Man games, and those were so different. Not if we, not only if you're just talking about the system he was working on, but musically, they just like if you were to play me some of the GBA stuff he did, and then play me the tracks he did for Mega Man Nine, I wouldn't think it's the same composer because he was able to nail that retro style, and I wouldn't necessarily have imagined he would have. But they definitely kind of put the hat on when they when they went to work for this game did a great job let's move on to a track called splash blue and this one was composed by um hiroki isogai we haven't heard from him yet so let's take a listen to how he approaches Mega Man music for splash blue simple piece of music but effective this is splash blue which happens to be the stage theme for splash woman stage uh this this title was influential we, we wanted to include one track on mega buster that was uh named after a woman robot master uh this is the first game i, I believe to do that this was composed by hiroki isogai pretty cool yeah i i really enjoy this one you know i noticed something actually though that wasn't completely faithful to the limitations of the NES. Towards the end of the form, the melody does this very subtle um, uh, diminuendo, this sort of fade out um, that I think was digital and done kind of in post because... Uh, yeah, you I know, know from working on Famitracker with the NES, there are only so many increments of volume. So when you try to fade out, you kind of hear it um, more presently switching from increment to increment. I know what you're saying. Where this was that kind of smooth digital turning down the fader. Y- you sound. can tell that some of this was done um, post in various different programs. It definitely was mastered for sure. They didn't just take the NSFs and that's the soundtrack. You can tell it's mastered in a different way too. So it, it sounds a little bit different than than um, what you hear on the NES. But you know, for the average person, it, it's pretty in, indistinguishable. Uh, we're now going to move on to one of my favorite tracks. This was also composed by Hiroshi Isagai. Let's take a listen to Hornet Dance, which is Hornet Man Stage. Here we go. Such a solid way to end that B section. That B section is probably my favorite part of the song. It's really pretty and it's a little bit more pleasing and positive. But he ends it in such a strong way. And the way that he ends that cadence definitely reminds me of Takashi's work in Mega Man 2. Uh, you know, there's really nothing better than like a super solid ending of a loop to go back to it. And it just, what it does is it makes it makes the, the repetition feel more powerful and just feel better as the listener uh, because you kind of want to hear it over and over again and you don't mind that it's it's repeating and that's kind of what this track has um i don't know i think this it's, is it's sort of like a chorus because you really do sure. have that a section or that I think intro you're right. 
And then you go into almost like a pre-chorus, and then I think this part here is sort of what you're talking about. You know about. what? It kind of reminds me of the form of Airman, because Airman feels like that has a chorus, doesn't it? Right. It's not just like a B or a C section. It's definitely it's like more the most, satisfying, yeah. It's the most satisfying section, for sure. Yeah, I really actually liked in that actual B section, you could call it the pre-chorus, how the melody would have those moments of sustain in the harmony mm-hmm. would have da-da-da-da, sure. and kind of have that voice leading. Again, I love stuff like that on NES music, because that, that's the kind of thing um, you hear in music a lot. Um, there will be sort yeah. of a moment of sustain in the melody, and some of the other voices will have well, um, a brief moments of counterpoint. But to do that on the NES, I always think is uh, really such a treat because, again, you're dealing with um, such an economy of sound. And a lot of mm-hmm. times, I don't necessarily think of NES composers as people that are sort of classically trained and always being thoughtful about voice leading. But it's just one of those things. You kind of have it's to. It's one of those intuitive it. decisions. Yeah, you just have to do from those limitations and I, I this actually is I don't know I, I love this track it's I think so it's good great. it's absolutely one of my favorites from both of these scores well I actually have a quick little question for you I'm just curious you know to my ear what I hear in these two scores is technically they sound surprisingly primitive as far as how they're implementing the NES. There's not a lot of crazy tricks that you would hear in maybe mm-hmm. the later Mega Man games or in general the later NES games. It feels like more akin to some of the tones and timbres that you would hear in the first Mega Man, maybe the second, but like very kind of basic, primitive uh Tones. I think that's true. Uh, I mean, that is reflective of sort of the philosophy of the game in general. They really were mm-hmm. trying to bring it back to Mega Man 2. He no longer has the ability to charge his shot. He can't do that slide dash maneuver. Everything about the game was trying to go back to that. So it makes sure. sense that as far as the music, they really wanted to do people's memory of Mega Man, which was, you know, mm-hmm. the first Simple. three games. Yeah, well, now we're going to move on to, uh, I think, the special stage theme. There's a special stage in Mega Man 9, and the name of this track is Overdrive Scramble, composed by Ryo Kawakami. a killer track another one that feels like it has a proper chorus that harmonized section is so satisfying but then the final chord of that of that uh of the chorus you know the the the, what was the harmony switches to doing this kind of counter line which feels so good uh yeah you can tell that this is not like a normal stage theme it has like a little bit more um i guess excitement to it or just i don't know there's like a different kind of an energy than you got in any of the previous stage themes what do you think about this uh uh overdrive scramble track will I very much enjoy it. You know, I love a melody that starts on sort of a more dissonant note. Um, yeah. Usually, yeah, I, I mean, in this case, it sort of creates that extended chord. But immediately, what's great about melodies like that is they start off with a sense of motion because it already, there's this feeling that it needs to resolve right out of the gate. Sure. You know, you think of melodies that start, you know, in a major key and they start on the third or something. Um you know, it's great, but there, there's not that initial sense of direction. When you hear something like this, from the very onset, you're like, where is it going to go? Where is it going to go? And using that same interval that it keeps kind of bouncing back to, I think that's one yeah. of the more catchy aspects about the piece. I really like the... Oh, it's so good. It, it feels, again, almost like reminiscent of older kind of Mega Man ideas. Well, that section there, I'm not sure if you heard this well, but that reminds me of Street Fighter Two. Uh, there's sure. a track that it's Balrog yeah. it's one of those stage themes uh, yeah such a good track guys I know it's early you know usually we save this until later on in the playlist but this is just where it comes in it's time to move on to this week's track of the week 
is Thunder Tornado, which is Tornado Man's stage from Mega Man 9, one of the two contributions in this score by Ippo Yamada. And he brought his A-game to this piece of music. Um, it is incredible. It's probably one of the maybe the top five Mega Man tracks ever. It's better than some tracks in Mega Man 2, without a doubt, which is very impressive. It's it's just a killer piece of music. Um, I remember we did our Mega Man episode, which was really early on. I don't know if some of you have heard it. It was episode like four, I want to say. And I think we played this track. And I just remember then just like being so blown away because at that point we had listened to all this, you know, 20 tracks of Mega Man music going from the first title, all the SNES stuff, all the way. To, and it was still like one of the best tracks of the playlist. So, yeah, you really can't beat this. Let's take a listen to Thunder Tornado from Mega Man 9. One of the best Mega Man tracks, period. That last section, does that ever feel like just like a screeching, distorted guitar, like a lead guitar? It's so soaring. This is badass. You know, this was composed by Ippo Yamada, and when we went to MegFest this year, we actually got to see Ippo Yamada perform alongside Minami and some of the people that worked on Mighty Number no. 9. I think he was playing, Will, was he playing like synth bass, I believe? Yeah, he was. He was playing like electronic bass, um, and he is a badass-looking dude. He has really long hair and shades, and he just looks kind of like exactly what you would want him to look like playing that music this is killer yeah i i'm always so speechless whenever i listen to this i I think i would say i'm jealous uh of his incredible compositional abilities this is just amazing i think every single section um is perfect uh i adore the melody i I'm just so inspired with how he's using the three channels. It feels completely true to Mega Man, just 100% in its aura, but it also doesn't feel like an approximation of anything that already exists. It's not really owing a lot to anything that's come before. It, it's, it's very really fresh. The best case scenario that you could ever imagine. Uh, with something you know, like this. It is kind of mind-boggling because it's inc- it doesn't sound like any track we've heard before, but what is it about that opening riff that feels so natural to Mega Man? It totally feels like this could be in Mega Man 2. It's like a lost Mega Man 2 track. It's really the best that they could have ever hoped for when they're writing new Mega Man music. You know something that I find surprising is that you know, this was composed by Ippo Yamada. He did work in the GBA, I think, Mega Man Zero series. And a lot of people love that series. Um, I think it's pretty good. There's some good tunes there. But this is just blows everything he did in that series out of the water, in my mind. It's just so much more of a clear idea. So you can really tell that that this project had to have excited these composers. You know, facing those limitations, it was a definitely like a bigger profile title than the Zero stuff. More people were going to be playing this in a lot of ways. Sure. So this well, is just I think exciting. That- the thing that I that I so adore about this track, the melody is is beautiful at at all points. It's just wonderful. Feels like classic Mega Man. But what he's doing in that other channel, I say, I think, and the bass, you know, with the triangle, is what almost interests me more. And my favorite section is that, and you have that, just like it's so wonderful because you're only two voices. It's not doing a harmony line. But it also, I I don't know, it it doesn't have that that quality to it where it feels like it's really having to stretch to outline these chords. It's its own independent, catchy, groovy, essential line. And I don't know, a great 
8-bit or great NES composers really have the ability to make it feel completely comfortable. You know, you're getting a huge soundscape, all this wonderful music going on, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like it's constantly having to switch every second and, you know, like it's kind of overwhelmed by Mm -hmm. the task at hand. You know, you almost, like you mentioned earlier, Carl, I think the average person wouldn't really even realize or comprehend the level of limitations that these people are faced with because the music just feels so complete. Well, that does feel like an example of a track where we could probably have a whole hour just breaking that track down. Maybe someday we should do that. Uh, we have to move on, though, from our wonderful track of the week to the Dr. Wily Stage 1 theme from Mega Man 9. This is called Flash in the Dark and was composed by Ryo Kawakami. Here we go. track you guys are listening to flash in the dark which is the dr wily stage one theme you know as long as you don't compare it to the mega man 2 dr wily theme it's very good you know thing is is it's quite different from that it's going for something different i think it works you know in the context of just the soundtrack i i say this is a very solid track well composed well implemented every section doesn't really have any fat it's a very trim uh piece of music i don't know i think this works very well I mean, most Mega Man games have a Dr. Wily stage, so... Sure. I mean, that Mega Man 2 thing, I mean, it's just... It's hard not to compare, because that's just one of the greatest pieces of video game music. Um, But yeah, this is... This is a wonderful track, and I, I do think there probably was a certain amount of pressure for this stage in particular to really kind of pull out all the Mega Man stops and try to sound like Takashi Tadeshi. I just think that first line, that's a great little uh, nugget. That, I don't know. It's just It works really well. It's catchy. It's memorable. It feels very Mega Man-y. Does it ever? Well, we're going to move on to the last track from Mega Man 9, and it's the other contribution that Ippo Yamada uh, gave to this soundtrack. Let's take a listen to Staff Roll. track you guys are listening to the staff roll from Mega Man 9 this is composed by Ippo Yamada this is beautiful and you know it really fits for a Mega Man staff roll because it's much more uplifting um, than anything you'd hear in the game similar to the Mega Man 2 staff roll you know it's it's an opportunity to just have different emotions than ever would have been appropriate um, while you're playing the game but it's quite good classic video game music I mean it, through it and through. feels like something right out of the 90s uh, I'm I'm reminded of a little bit of the ending of Sonic and Knuckles. Um, sure, I agree with that, particularly with that intro. Uh, but yeah, it's great. What is it about a descending progression that just feels so final? Um, <laughs> whether it's chromatic, sort of like in a jazzy way, um, 
or something like this where it's just like completely diatonically descending it just that's it's crazy. that wonderful it's so fitting for feeling credits. of ending of completion um and, and it's a little so bit melancholy in video yeah. game music um but somehow i find with the diatonic one it's not as melancholy it's a little bit more uplifting i think also because it's sort of positive and has this um happy quality with the melody sure. and the it's very poppy everything absolutely well guys totally. we're now going to move on to our second title of the day this is Mega Man 10 came out two years later and so the music for this game it's very different in its approach because these gentlemen returned you know Ippo Yamada Rao Kawakami Hiroki and you they returned but for the robot themes the stage themes a bunch of different composers from the Mega Man games in the past returned for this game to each composed a single robot stage theme, which is incredible that they got, that they got they wrangled all these old composers together, many of which haven't been active for years. So it was a very exciting uh, thing. Now, as far as how it turned out, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But in my mind, it didn't quite turn out as good as maybe you would have thought when you heard that news, um, that this would be just like an absolute all-star cast of composers. It, it's pretty good, but I will say Mega Man 9 is a better score. Here are all the names that returned uh, for Mega Man 10. We have Minami Matsumai, Yasuaki Fujita, also known as Bun Bun, uh, Mine Fuji, Mari Yamaguchi, Yuko Takahara, Makado Tamazawa, Akira Kaida, and I think even one more. So, with- But I think this gets back to my, my point. It's like a lot of those people, you know, they did Mega Man 3, 4, 5, yep. 6... But I don't like those soundtracks that much. Right. Uh, and also like, the last thing to mention is that unlike Mega Man 9, and this is this is just a fact, this game was not intended to be a remake or a spiritual successor uh, to any particular Mega Man game. It was just trying to be its own new Mega Man game that was trying to be completely original. So that might be why the music went off in different directions that doesn't feel like it's trying to uphold some of the legacy of the old games. So that makes sense, really, when you think about that. Let's start off with a stage theme. This is Desert Commando by Mane Fuji from Mega Man 10. very short and simple piece of music you guys listened to Desert Commando uh, that was composed by Mane Fuji from Mega Man 10. Now Mane Fuji composed Mega Man 4 which uh, wasn't my favorite uh, soundtrack in the world for the Mega Man series. She also did some other work for I believe uh, Breath of Fire some other titles. Uh, Will what do you think about this track? It's, it's much simpler than the music we heard in Mega Man 9. Yeah it definitely feels like a step down in terms of recapturing that old style sort of ironic being that you know this is uh, uh an older composer for this series um but i guess it gets back to that idea it doesn't really matter who's working on something it's about the idea the effort the intent behind it yeah um i, I think sometimes the and i mean we're probably as guilty of this as anybody but we get too focused on the individual you know who composed it whose idea was it i think it's a very kind of american notion this idea yeah. that's like oh this person did it therefore they're a genius and in not really looking at this piece is great or this movie is great and this specific thing that they made is wonderful and they could also make something not so great um so I could see how, you know, something like this on paper would sound great, getting this all-star group of composers. But, you know, if there wasn't really a sense of direction, like you mentioned before, I think with Mega Man 9, even though it was a new game, I guess in terms of, like, the story, if it was carrying things forward, it was clearly this idea of going back to the past, where with Mega Man 10, it's sort of doing that again, which which means that the direction was probably not as clear musically. And, I mean, it's the old adage, too many cooks in the kitchen, if there yeah. were 
all these different moving pieces, there probably wasn't that much discussion between composers as what they really wanted the music to sound like. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easier to, to get people who haven't worked on the games, you know, to take outsiders and be like, hey, you know this thing we love, let's try to make it like that. Where I think sometimes when you try to get people who are involved, they maybe don't have the same rose-colored glasses about it. To them, it was just like, oh yeah, that's just a game that I did back in the 80s. And, you know, it's nothing that special. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. Uh, I think it's time to move on to the next track. I actually really, really like this next track. Uh, it was composed by um, it was composed by Mikado Tamazawa, who did work in like, Mega Man Legends. He didn't ever do an NES title, but he actually got really close to, I think, some of the spirit of those games. This is really fun. It's Fireball Strike from Mega Man 10. piece of music. You guys are listening to Fireball Strike, which is Strike Man Stage from Mega Man 10. This was composed by Mikado Tamazawa. Now, he did some good work in the series. He actually worked on Mega Man X as well as, I think, Mega Man Legends. Um, it does kind of feel like this is almost like a variation to Thunder Tornado in a way. It's, it's very similar melodically. I wonder if that yeah, was intentional. They, they ride around some of the same places. I mean, it's possible... Um, that this composer never even heard that piece and, you know, just great minds think alike. Um, There's something about this that I want to touch on, which is uh, that harmony, particularly in the A section, it does this wonderful thing that I really associate with Mega Man, and I know that you and I did a couple times, maybe not intentionally, it's sort of an inadvertent thing while working on Mega Buster, but it's this idea that you have a melody that's harmonized in thirds or sixths, so in sort of a, a very conventional way, but then at a certain point in the melody, it shifts to being harmonized in either fourths or fifths, those sort of perfect sure. intervals. And what I love about that is since it's not constant, you still get that beautiful kind of um, pretty lyrical melody quality. But you also get a few brief moments of it feeling like rock music, feeling sure. like power chords, kind of guitar harmony um and it's that that wonderful um the combination between those two things that i sort of associate with video game music but it really yeah. i think is a very mega man specific uh, well speaking of trait maybe what's specific to mega man that final section that dun 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 although it does feel very old school and <laughs> more retro, like mario kart yeah <laughs> you were right in in saying that it doesn't really feel like mega man all that much yeah, that, so that, part, that was interesting uh, definitely loses it a little bit but again it's like how can you tell well, someone who worked on mega man x that it doesn't sound mega man enough you know <laughs> That is so funny. Uh, good track, definitely. Now we're going to move on to Nitro Rider. And this was composed by the lady who started it all. This is Manami Matsumai, who composed the original Mega Man here. So let's take a listen to her track Nitro Rider from Mega Man 10.
You guys are listening to Nitro Rider from Mega Man 10, composed by Matsuma. And so far, this is, I think, the most uh, kind of faithful to that old era, that old tradition uh, that we've heard on Mega Man 10. This feels um, completely on the nose. It kind of has sections that really kind of remind me of her kind of classic style. It's very cute. It's very fun. This definitely feels like Mega Man. Harmonically, uh, I think much more luscious than Mega Man 2, um, but that's just sort of her thing. I-, I think I was really delighted that it was such a you know straight ahead rocking track because that's not really what I associate with Mega Man 1. But I know that she's very fond of Takashi Tateshi's work on Mega Man 2. Um, and yeah. So this is sort of a nice hybrid, I think, of both of their styles. But I love this. I think this is just a wonderful it's composition. Great. Very welcome. Uh, again, it's just it's such an incredible thing just to have her return to the series. This is my favorite uh, so far of this soundtrack. Um, oh, me too. It yeah, might stay that way. Well, now we're going to move on to um, a track by Bun Bun, Yasuaki Fujita, who worked on Mega Man 3, one of the most popular games and soundtracks. Let's take a listen to Solar Inferno, which is Solar Man Stage. This is a rocking track, maybe the most rocking of the whole day. It feels like actual rock music. You guys are listening to Solar Inferno, composed by Bun Bun. Has that nice sliding, which I think of sliding on the card. Down, down, down. Really kind of taking the torch of Mega Man 2 as far as establishing how to incorporate rock music. Um, and that's it feels like what, Mega Man 3, honestly. Yeah, exa- though, exactly, too. which is so cool because Mega Man 3 really took that rock and just went really far with it, um, incorporating things that felt like actual rock music. It didn't necessarily have the pop that Mega Man 2 had. It didn't have that combination. Um, but this is a pretty badass track right here. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I'm really not just saying this because I know that it's Yasuaki Fujita, but it definitely reminds me of Mega Man 3, even in terms of the instruments and kind of right? that sort of portamento-y slide. Dude, how about this section when it goes to double time? Is that not cool? That's just like yeah, that's very feel awesome. good. Oh, gosh. It's kind of a track that starts off with fairly low expectations, and it definitely wins you over as it goes on. Definitely. Well, now let's move on to Dr. Wily's Stage Boss. This one was composed by the just the OG gentleman here. So that's it for the kind of the retro crew. This was by Hiroki Isugai as well as Ippo Yamada. They collaborated on this track. Let's take a listen to Dr. Wily's Stage Boss. <laughs>
cool track. You guys are listening to the Dr. Wiley Stage Boss, which, which, which was a collaboration between Hiroki Isogai and Ippo Yamada. Well, what do you think about this as far as um, a Mega Man boss? I think it definitely hits, hits the nail on the head. It works to me. I mean, from the very little that I know of these gentlemen, it, it, it sort of captures uh, the thing that I think was unique about both of them, um, hmm. Hiroki Isogai. Uh, in terms of the fact that it's not quite as dark as you would expect. I remember his had this sort of major section that felt, right. um, I, I guess, not really as kind of cool as Mega Man in one of the tracks that we heard in Mega Man 9. And uh, Ippo Yamada, there's that part sort of in the B section that... Deba 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 deba, but it it kind of has the same... Um, uh, rhythm as the counter melody for the thunder tornado, thunder tornado stage. Yeah. So uh, usually the, there's not really sort of like a literal way that you hear kind of the influences of two people, but I actually hmm. can, I don't know, it seems sort of present well, in this track. I'm curious to see if we can hear that in the next track, because this next track was also another collaboration between those two. Um, these were back-to-back on the order of the soundtrack, if that means anything. So this was something that they worked on together. This is Abandoned Memory, which is Dr. Wily's Stage 1 from Mega Man 10. piece of music it gets a lot accomplished in about you know 50 seconds this is abandoned memory which is dr wiley stage one a nice collaboration between uh, isogai and yamada here this does kind of remind me of yamada's work for the gba series uh mega man zero uh it, it's quite good I, I really like the instrument switch in in this section here where the melody turns into this a little bit more reverberant softer kind of open sound uh, I think the melodies are good. I like, again, you have that descending chord progression, which always happens in something near the end of a game. Uh, this is pretty good. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I feel like, again, I hear both of their influences. I mean, maybe it's just sort of in my head, but that melodic rhythm, the da 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 da, is very similar to the Thunder Tornado. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like you can hear elements of that. I, 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 I agree. Like the, I like thinking about um, video game composers collaborating yeah. um, and just kind of imagining well, what that's like for them. You know, it's so lucky that this is a very rare case, but we have very good crediting for both of these soundtracks. I think there was a lot of attention when they were released and a lot of excitement. So we literally get, we know exactly who, who composed each track. And this was the only two that was a collaboration between these two gentlemen for this game. So now let's move on to Dr. Wily Stage 3, which is called No Turning Back, and that was composed by Ryo Kawakami. You guys are listening to No Turning Back, Dr. Wily Stage 3. Pretty good piece of music by Ryo Kawakami. You know, one thing I'll say is at this point, I'm kind of hearing um, almost like cliches of, of you know, kind of of tracks we've already heard even in these two scores. You know, so you're kind of starting to hear a little bit of repetition, which, you know, is, I guess, to be expected. Um, 
it's not quite as uh, exciting as I think the Dr. Wily stage theme that this per- same person composed for Mega Man 9. I think the idea was a little bit clearer in that theme but I still think this this is this is a good piece of music every section is musically interesting and he's definitely not phoning it in um, it's just not something that is um, maybe as quite as immediate as his uh, his track for Mega Man 9 well I think the sophomore slump is something real you know it's it's really hard to when you sure. strike gold with something to come back and do it again and have it be uh, even better, even but who as would have good. ever you know thought that hey this this next game that we're gonna get all these legends back and it's actually the whole soundtrack won't be quite as good as what you four guys did two years ago. I don't know. I'm I'm very surprised about that. Well, you know what? I really don't know. Sometimes it 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 seems that you can really put a lot of stock in talented people who have a lot of drive and purpose and are inspired by something. I mean, I don't know. You think of somebody like Jake Kaufman with Shovel Knight. I mean, a lot of his work in that game is better than a lot of probably the NES games that he was inspired on. Yeah. And arguably, you know, he worked with Manami Matsumai. She did a couple tracks in that game. And Jake's stuff, I think, is even better. I think and so, too. I, I think it, it really does show you something. It's like people that worked on the thing that was the inspiration for the new thing, they don't look on the old thing with the same kind Mm. of nostalgia and reverence that others might. And so they might not be able to recapture some of the initial spark. Well, well, I'm glad you brought that up because that reminded me, I did want to talk a little bit about that. You know, these composers, many of which have been inactive for years, coming back, trying to recapture what they did, in some ways they weren't all able to. You know, some of those tracks, I didn't necessarily feel like they were able to fully recapture uh, the spirit of even titles that they worked on, you know, years and years ago. So I think that's really interesting. It's not easy to do, and I think it does take a certain amount of time and a certain level of commitment to really be, kind of, to have a level standard where maybe your first idea, "Ah, I I really want to try to get something that captures that essence and who's to say how this was communicated to these people if they just sent in piano demos if they were just said hey just do whatever and we just we're happy to have whatever you have well, or if there was any sort of back and forth well i do think there's a lot of instances throughout the history of music where a composer is inspired by something and goes on to create something even better than their source of inspiration i mean mm-hmm. we never would have advanced musically if that wasn't the case um, I, I kind of just innumerable examples. You can take every single classical composer that did something great or pioneered something new. They were influenced by someone, um, and yeah. arguably maybe they went on to do something even better. I mean, an example that's sort of prevalent uh, that I think about all the time is John Williams, you know, being influenced by the earlier film composers and the concept of leitmotif and creating themes for film. And what's funny is with something like Star Wars, it was sort of his attempt to recapture that romantic sound of the old Hollywood films. But he honestly made the most recognizable film scores, some of the greatest melodies of all time that likely surpass a lot of the things that influenced him. So I I do think there is something to be said about, you know, there's really no shortage of inspiration. And I think it's hard for um, someone who's created something to always realize the impact that they've had. Well, one thing that I think is is surprising too about the overall tone, when you just sit down and listen to Mega Man 10, isn't it just like a little bit more somber, Mm -hmm. like musically, like something about it just feels like not quite as fun and uplifting as, as the Mega Man 9 music. So it's just interesting that that happened it's still very good and i'm really glad that we're focusing on both of these because i mean every single track is very good today uh let's move on to the special stage one theme this is called heart of anchor composed by ipo yamada
Talking Stuff. You guys are listening to Heart of Anchor, which is a special stage one theme composed by the wonderful Ippo Yamada. Really shredding stuff. You know what's funny? This actually reminds me of that game uh, Stunts, that 40 Sports Driving, uh, that comp- early PC game that we used to play in the 90s. Uh, it has that kind of rocking, kind of shredding yeah, sound. Yeah. Uh, I know what you mean. It's quite good. Will, what, what do you think about this track? I really like it. Yeah, it's, it's much more... Um, kind of guitar centric than I think a lot of the stuff that we're getting again getting those kind of fourth fifth parallel harmonies um, yeah I think it works really great well what do you think about the overall level of diversity as far as you know what we've listened to today um, do what you are you feel- interviewing me what the hell's going on man <laughs> I mean like do you feel like we've we've had a lot of different peaks and valleys or do you feel like it's all just kind of getting like a, a, a similar type of Mega Man song like do you think we're able to capture you know when you think like, Mega Man 2 is so diverse and there's so many different every track is so different do you think that we're able to kind of capture some of those differences here from what we've heard or do you feel like it's it's just kind of more narrow well Carl I'm curious what do you think about this topic because that was a very specific question I imagine you have an opinion I do have an opinion I, I mean I guess I would say that overall you know I listened to both of these soundtracks a lot this past week and I just kind of got a lot of them confused and like mixed up with each other they seem to be a lot more narrow they kind of seem to to be striving for this this memory of what Mega Man music is and it kind of reminds me of when we were working on Mega Buster where we had like at least four or five tracks that were like felt like it was like Dr. Wily-esque and it's like it's just it's so easy when you're sitting down and thinking oh Mega Man you do this one thing and I guess I, I kind of wish there'd be a little bit more uh, diversity. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. Sure. Yeah. I I can I can definitely understand that. Um. I, and again, that's sort of the difficulty with something like this is is freedom a good thing? Do you really want to be doing something different? Because in some of the tracks yeah. that I wasn't the biggest fan of, maybe the problem is that it didn't sound enough like Mega Man. I know what you're but saying. Maybe if yeah. they were really kind of confident, um, bold melodies, it, we wouldn't have cared. So it is that sort of fine line. I think something great, something truly wonderful will always be welcome no matter what it sounds like. Um, but yeah, that is sort of the difficulty. I guess I, I didn't want something that didn't feel like a Mega Man just to be different for different sake. I just kind of wanted to get all of the little check marks maybe, uh, even if I'm just thinking about Mega Man 2, you know, the tracks are so diverse, and maybe that's one of the reasons I love Mega Man 2, is that uh, every track feels so different, and there's really not any that feels... Well, it's really one of the fun things about the series, is that you have all these colorful stages and these different baddies that you can face sort of at your discretion, and Mm -hmm. I think... uh, you hear the similarity in compositional style with Manami Matsume and you hear the similarity in compositional style between all the tracks with Takashi Tateishi. And so I think um, there may have been this, this notion that it's like Mega Man music sounds like this, but I think for them, there was this idea of wanting to make each track sound different to represent the characters. And that may have been something that's been lost. The idea that we still want it to feel uh, specific to that stage or that character. For sure. Well, guys, we're going to play the last track of the day. This is Farewell to Balad, which is the Special Stage 3 theme by Ryo Kawakami. And Will, before we play this, as we're listening to this, when we come back, I want to do something, just just humor me here, really fun. Let's both give our ratings of each soundtrack out of 10, and you can do decimals here. So we'll each give our Mega Man 9 rating of the soundtrack and our Mega Man 10 rating when we come back from this Special Stage 3. Only uh, in video games would you require decimals.
Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. We had a good time exploring the soundtracks to Mega Man 9 and 10. Really exciting games that came out in the 2000s. These kind of really kind of launched this new era of being possible to make these throwback games that a lot of people will still play. And, you know, it was definitely an important thing for these games to be released because I think it taught a lot of people in the industry that, hey, there's still a big market for games like this and people still want to play new games in this style. Well, and to just recapture some love for the Mega Man series into classic video games to show that, you know, we haven't forgotten about these old franchises, not just games in this style, but specifically these IPs, you know, and everything that comes along with that. The music, the graphics, the graphics, the gameplay, you know? Yeah, they mean a lot to a lot of different well, people. Okay, so I did mention before we started that we're going to do some fun little rankings here. Let's say, for me, I'm thinking like, okay, if Mega Man 2 is like, I would maybe say like a, what, a 9.8, it's like very, very, very awesome. Oh, 10. One of the best. Uh, it's hard to say if anything's a 10. Um, yeah, okay, 9.9, let's say Mega Man 2. I would come, say Mega come Man. On, come on. <laughs> give it a 10. Sure, I'll give round it a 10. Up. I'll give it a 10. I'll round it up. I would say Mega Man 9 for me is like a 9.3. And I would say Mega Man 10 is maybe like an 8.2. Interesting. So I argue, I rallied for a 10 for Mega Man 2. I would give Mega Man 9 a 9.2, and I'd give Mega Man 10 a 7.6. Okay, interesting. So a little bit more harsh on Mega Man 10, but yeah, not two different scores A little there. harsher on, on both of them. I mean, sure. I, I love both these soundtracks. I adore Mega Man 9, but I'm, I mean, I'm just being honest if Mega Man 2 is a 10 you know and things have to live up to that hey Will I have a fun memory do you remember when the first MAGFest we went to we were sitting in the hotel room you me and Marty and in order to pick the playlist for our second greatest hits episode we all gave ratings of all these songs based on the on that past year and then we put them in an Excel spreadsheet and added up the totals of every single one Probably the coolest thing. Um, I'm so proud of that. <laughs> the sexiest moment of the Supermercado Brothers. Oh, yeah, god! At the end of the day, it all comes down to numbers. Tabulating, <laughs> calculating, You'd be numbers. surprised yeah, how important that can be for creating good playlists every single week. It's, is it it's a time saver. It? <laughs> it's a time saver, man. You'd be surprised. It's so much quicker to do that. You know, you're listening to a soundtrack to numbers. and you, you jot down, you know, a quick score of what you think and then boom, you already have the best 20 tracks already selected. Yeah, but what if you change your mind? What if you weren't being fair when you were listening to that That's one? why you listen to it one more time just to be sure. Do you really do that though? Usually I do, yeah. I actually, you know what I did is I made the playlist and then I actually made some alterations because I did change my mind. But it's better than having to listen to it If it doesn't fit to the numbers, then we can't... Well, guys, we're going to play you out with one more contribution from a previous composer in the series. It's Blade Man Stage by Akari Kaida, and she actually worked on Rockman and Forte. So that, that was really cool that they got her back to do this track. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Carl Bergman. I'm his brother, Will Bergman. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. 